When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. This podcast is part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. Go to BigHeadsMedia.com for more great podcasts. Welcome, welcome, welcome to episode number 52 of Bleeding Blue. And today is officially the first day of Giants training camp. Football is back. The best damn football team in the world is back. And Bleeding Blue is here to cover and talk about it all. So, without further ado, let's bleed blue. All right, welcome back. That was quite the intro. I really, I really like that intro. David, did you like that intro? That was, I would say, one of your more passionate intros, especially the way that you said blue at the end of Let's Bleed Blue. When you said blue, it was very decisive. Blue. Not usually, blue. usually I'm very, usually I'm very silly. It, yeah, yeah. It, that, was, that was a different Justin. That was like start of training camp, Justin. This, this shit is serious, David. This is some serious shit. This is some serious shit. Trading camp, it's today. By the time you're, you know people are listening to this episode, we're recording this the night before. But today, Wednesday, this is it. Everyone. Everyone is coming strong. How are you feeling about the start of training camp? I'm hype. You know, we were – you and I were talking about, uh, you know, getting getting ourselves off the ground to record this episode. And I uh, – if, you, if, you, if you'll indulge me, give me a moment. I want to read to you what I wrote. I mean, for the for the listeners, not just for you, because you know what I said. I also I was, have a terrible memory. You do have a very bad memory. You you we were talking about you know what our our agenda for tonight, and I said feels like it's just the same points over and over again, spun a different way. Unfortunately, we just don't know anything right now. Holy shit! I'm tired of nothing but speculative episodes. So. Let me reiterate, I'm tired of nothing but speculation and prediction. I, I cannot wait to analyze something new. I can't wait to see something, to complain about clock management. I'm so excited. I'm, I, I'm, I'm so excited. It's the best time of the year. My birthday is also in September, so that helps, but it's the best time of the year. It's better than Christmas? Oh, yeah. Well, partially because Christmas involves football, too. Also, Christmas the last few years has been very dark in Giants land because that's when we find out Merry Christmas, you're not going to the playoffs. True. True. But um, but this year, but this year we're 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 going, right? We're just, oh, we're going just to playoffs. I'm buying I'm buying the ticket to uh 
to uh, the, the home the home playoff game first week of for the oh, wild card. Yeah. Well, we're gonna do we're gonna do an episode from outside the uh, NFC division divisional round round, right? We're gonna we're gonna do a we're gonna do an episode in the parking lot. We're making we're it a, that far. Oh no, we're a bye week. Oh, holy shit! You know, like when you look at the standings and it's like you know X is a playoff berth, Y yeah. is division, Z is conference. We're conference, bitch. What the fuck you talk? Oh my god, I'm really cursing. Ooh, Christ. <laughs> Pitch, pitch. What are you talking about? <laughs> I just came out of nowhere. We're we're feeling we're feeling we're feeling fired up tonight. We're I'm excited. Fired. I'm really really excited. Dave's got a Corona in his hands. It's nine thirty at night. It's Ooh. bleeding blue after dark, baby. Yeah, yeah. I I I'm I'm really I really am fired up. I really am excited. So uh, speaking of a bleeding blue after dark, I'm about to have a photo shoot. The greatest thing on Twitter. The great these thing you know. Twitter is lovely. Twitter is as bad as Twitter can be. It can be, it can be equally as awesome. You know, we can find lost dogs. We can get couples together. You know, long lost lovers can reunite in the middle of Idaho and Justin Pennick can pander for 200 likes on some ridiculous tweet by offering some ridiculous uh, gift and not only could does he get 200 likes, but he shatters 200 likes. It's beautiful. And now I'm going to get to see you in all of your glory. And I'm staring at you right now, and I have to say, you have the face for it. I'm really, really excited. Twitter, you have done, you, you have done what you were meant to do. When Twitter was conceived, it was conceived for this very reason. All right, so to to really to really recap kind of what what David is talking about, Odo Beckham Jr. had a quite the GQ article and he had quite also the GQ photo shoot this week. So there were four pictures that GQ magazine tweeted out and it was one where Beckham was in like a leather jacket, there was one where he was in a long like trench coat, there was one where his eyes were closed and he was holding his face with his hands, which the confidence that you have to have to make that pose where your eyes are closed and your hands are on your face. Like, Oh, I'm loathing in myself, the confidence and the ego that you have to have, but Beckham pulls it off. And then there's but also Justin. one, oh, hold on. And then there's also one last but not least, there's one of him shirtless. And he's like wearing a tie dye blanket behind him. So I, so I quote tweeted that GQ tweet. And I said, if this tweet gets 200 likes, I will recreate this photo shoot. The tweet got over 200 likes in like eight hours. And now, one day later, it is sitting at 357 likes. Beautiful. Absolutely beautiful. So I'm planning on this weekend, this Saturday slash Sunday, I will be going to the Giants training camp this Saturday. So it may not happen on Saturday, but I'll try to prep for it. On Sunday, I'm going to try somehow, some way. I cannot promise the quality of these pictures, but... The photo shoot will be done, and it will be done in my own way, in my own twist. So I will, I will be a man of my word, and I will try to be as beautiful as this big body, big unit of a man can be. There are just so many things to look forward to right now if you're a Giants fan. Between, you know, the Giants signing Daniel Jones and the start of training camp. And then my nipples. And and then Justin Pennick in a trench coat, Justin Pennick holding his head with his eyes closed. It's it's going to be a beautiful, beautiful thing. 
that is going to grace Twitter. And it really, it couldn't have come at a better time. It's like, it's like our own teaser for the beginning of the NFL season. <sighs> Shit. <laughs> you yeah. challenged Twitter and Twitter kicked your ass. I didn't, th- I, I figured it was going to happen because I've gotten a tweet that's gotten over 200 likes before. It was that, uh, it was that tweet where I took a picture of my Olivier Vernon jersey, yes. my two Odo yes. Beckham Jr. jersey, my Landon Collins jersey. I'm probably forgetting an ex-giant too. Uh, my, I, had a, I have an Eli Apple jersey too. I gave away a, a Damon Harrison jersey or else I would have thrown that in there too. And I also have a Janoris Jenkins jersey, go figure. And he's probably going to be gone. So I'll be able to add that picture to the nice little collection. So I've had a picture. So I figured I'm like, all right, this is probably, you know, people really like to, you know, see people do crazy things. And this is a crazy thing. So I figured it would get over 200, maybe in a day, maybe around this time after like maybe a whole uh, 36 hours. But I did not think after eight, 10 hours that it would get to the goal. I did not think so. I'm like, all right, I already started reaching out to photographers and everything. So um, first of all, so that's, so that's that. That's the more exciting part of this whole Odo Beckham Jr. fiasco thing this week. But David, this is either going to be the last time or the second to last time we will bring up Odo Beckham Jr. in a sort of headline. So we were pretty much in line with each other in our opinions of Odo Beckham Jr. Now, I'll just go through what that opinion was really quick in case anybody is not. And I can, I can correct you if I feel like we're, we're a little bit further off than we thought we were. Right, right. So basically, where David and I were, and we typically don't agree on a lot of things. No. But we agreed on the fact that Odo Beckham Jr. was always the best of teammates. He had some issues that caused him to be a distraction but at the end of the day, he was the one of the more talented players. He was one of the most talented players in the NFL. He helped the Giants more than he hurt him, more, more than they, more than he hurt them. There's a tremendous split between how much he helped them and how much he hurt them. There's a tremendous split between the two, and he was always a great, great teammate. But I have been flipped. David, I want to hear your thoughts on the GQ, some of the quotes that you saw this week, and then I'll get into why I have been flipped from the initial opinion. And I will honestly say, after the trade where I went off and I was ranting and I was yelling and hooting and hollering about everything, I'm going to say that I was wrong. I was wrong. So, David, I want to hear your thoughts first before I get into why I feel... um, I was wrong, and I'll apologize to Dave Gettleman and the New York Football Giants. You have two minutes. <laughs> I can go a lot longer than two minutes. So I, I know, but you have you two minutes. A, uh, I appreciate you giving me a, a, a giving me a clock. So I am not necessarily flipped. I don't think that's the right way to put it. You know, I, I read – I admittedly – I didn't read the entire GQ article. I really only read the things that were pertinent to the Giants – what frustrates me about the way that everyone's reacting to this is we're, we seem to be losing the sight, losing sight of the fact that he never said a single thing that was wrong. Nothing that he said was incorrect. He pointed out that the team was, was not good. He, he, he came out and said the team was not good, which is a rare thing for a player to say. He came out and admitted the team was not good. You know, you can watch the games. You you can see his frustration boiling over. And he, you and I both know 
that when his frustration on the sideline is boiling over, it's not always because he messed up. It's because the team is struggling. That gets frustrating after a while, especially when you're, by all accounts, the best player on the field. When you add on Saquon, there's a, there's a, there's a little bit of a debate, but he's no doubt in the top two players on the field for his entire career. Nobody on the field is better than him. So evidently, obviously, it's going to get frustrating. So that that's obviously true, that, that the team had struggled for a long time. They were not getting better. And he also said nothing wrong when he said the attraction of the New York Giants, Giants is number 13. He's the Madden cover athlete. Anytime the Giants are introduced or now or were, anytime the Giants were introduced on Sunday Night Football, Monday Night Football, guarantee you, you would see a picture of the catch of, of Odell reaching back against the Cowboys. Anytime. It didn't matter what the circumstance of the game was. He didn't, he didn't even have to be playing. And you'd see that picture. So Justin is, is, is telling me to, be, to, to speed this up. So I'll speed this up. He said nothing that was wrong. And I guarantee you if you, look, if you go across the league, you could ask player after player after player that's on mediocre team. They would say the exact same damn thing to you about the team's not getting better. They just know better than to say it out loud. He never said it when he was with the Giants. He kept it internal. He's on a different team now. He's speaking his mind. I have, I have no problem with that. The problem I have comes with, did this affect the locker room? Did this affect his play, his effort on the field? And that's the kind of thing that I really can't answer because I'm not in the locker room. So any anything that I hear about the locker room to me is hearsay. Until somebody comes out and confirms it, which nobody has. So I, I think Giants fans are pissed off at Landon Collins, at Odell Beckham. So obviously, we're gonna, we, we take this personally. It's an attack to our family. We take it personally and get pissed off. But he didn't say a damn thing that was wrong. And I'd rather him do it now in Cleveland than when he was in New York to the New York media. That's what I have to say about it. Now, the things that you say that you're not going to address because you're not there, which I think is a great point because it's hearsay in terms of being in the locker room. That's kind of where I go, where I think the Giants have done a spectacular, spectacular job of keeping certain things under, undercover, under the wraps throughout the years. And they did absolutely all they could to try to make this work granted if they didn't think that there was even a chance that they didn't think that they can make this relationship work why the hell would you sign them and why the hell would you pay them 30 million dollars when there's 16 million dollars in dead cap granted we got a nice little return out of it but it is a lot of money that's being wasted down the toilet it's not my money it's john Mayer's money neither here nor there there it was clearly Clearly, just looking at context clues on how much the man has opened his mouth this offseason and the things that he said. Granted, David, he didn't say things that were false, that weren't false information, whereas, you know, the popularity draw. But the fact that he chooses to talk about those things instead of wins and losses, instead of production, which the production was there, but instead of talking about wins and losses, where he went to for that Green Bay game, that Green Bay playoff game, was the fact that he had seven targets, not the fact that he dropped balls. No, well, he, he did mention that. He did mention it? Well, guess he, what? The fact that he got actually got 11 targets that game and the fact that he 
said false and he did say false information because right, right. it was 11 targets and not seven and that's a pretty substantial difference if you ask me this is all hypothetical just using context clues on the things that he is the way that he has chosen to present himself this offseason is a kind of crazy person he, he is obsessed He's with his girlfriend he right the the ex girlfriend that the we need a restraining order on. We have talked about this before. Yeah. We need a restraining order on snacks. We need a restraining order order on Landon Collins. But the biggest restraining order, and we need him to be at least ten miles away from us, is Odell Beckham Jr. Because dude, he is he he really has shown his true colors. And I think there are some people that may say all these guys that have defended him over the years that said he's a good teammate, they may be full of shit. Because I think the Giants have done a spectacular job at some of the things that have happened internally that we do not know about. They've done a great job of keeping that internal and not like how many times do you see these, you know, attitudes? How many times do you see uh, Antonio Brown, a fight, you know, within inter an internal fight with, you know, a coach that getting leaked out to the media? You, we've seen it. So that's that's it. That's that's all that's all that I have to say about it. That's so I've been flipped, and I am going to say that I was wrong, and I apologize to Dave Gettleman, John Mara, and at least with their handling of this situation. Because whoof, what I think is going to happen in Cleveland, what can happen is great, but what is probably going to happen in Cleveland is going to be a freaking shit show with all of these egos there. So that's well, I, I said this to you. This will be my last point with it. I said to you, um, when everything was really coming out with it and, and, you know, we were getting a little involved on Twitter with it. I said to you in a text message, I never had a problem with the trade ever. I never had a problem with the way they handled the trade. I never had a problem with the way that they really even handled Odell. So, Everyone who's saying, like, the more Odell talks, the more it's, like, making Gettleman look like a genius for trading him. I have already been on record saying I think from a team standpoint, from a football standpoint, it's a good trade. So you, I, I believe you can, you can be on both sides of the coin where you say Odell is not I, – I really don't think the problem that people want to pretend that he is. And at the same time say it was a good trade for the Giants to get rid of him from every standpoint. That's that's my last point on it. And hopefully we don't talk about Odell Beckham until we are going to talk about him again because they are going to play the Browns in preseason. And it's going to come up. Yeah. So that that's inevitable, but th that should be the last time we really talk about him. All right, cool. So, Dan, so there's two kind of main pieces of news. Then we're going to get into uh, a fun little training camp stereotypes conversation, and then that may be it for this episode. So that's kind of like the plan that's the blueprint of this episode. First, David, I do want to take a break. Want to take a commercial break. We're part of the Big Heads Media Podcast Network. We are going to play an advertisement from a fellow Big Heads Media Podcast Network show right now. Do you love a good story? Her American Story is a podcast for anyone who loves a good story. First and second generation American women share their American experience. Sharing our stories helps us to relate to one another, build understanding, as well as provide representation for those that need it most. I grew up in a smaller American town and lacked representation in my community and simply in media at that time. I created something I wanted to hear. I hope this podcast reaches those that need it most, as well as serves as a collection of simply interesting stories. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Follow me on Instagram and Twitter at HerAMStory. 
Everyone has the story. Share yours with me. Email me at heramericanstory at gmail.com. All right, so biggest, not really, not really big, but the, the main piece of news that I want to get to for this week, yesterday, so Monday, so two days ago when you're listening to this, on Monday, two safeties visited the Giants. Safeties, Jonathan Cyprin and Trey Boston. Jonathan Cyprin was on the Tennessee Titans last year, previously on the Jacksonville Jaguars before that. Trey Boston was on the Arizona Cardinals last year, then previously before that he was on the San Diego slash Los Angeles Chargers. I have no idea how long they've been in Los Angeles for. So basically, I think this is a really interesting conversation when you break this down because we've addressed on previous episodes and we even talked about it, I think, on Talking Giants last week when we had the Talking Giants episode, which go listen to that episode. It's still relevant. It's still prevalent. And that was a lot of fun. So go listen to last week's episode if you haven't yet. We talked about how safety is probably one of the thinner positions in terms of depth on this football team, maybe besides right tackle and then maybe besides inside linebacker. These two players that the Giants brought in for a visit this week are very different. And I think they both, if they are, if either one of them are signed, I think they both can bring some interesting things to the team this year, which I hope one of them is signed. I really, really hope one of them is signed because I was one that really wanted Jalen Thompson out of the supplementary draft, out of the supplementary draft, which the loan be, uh, ironically enough, I believe the Cardinals caught him, which they were the, they were the fifth pick. They had the fifth pick in the supplementary draft, like in the third round and they grabbed them and they snatched them up one pick before we were, because we were the sixth pick. I really wanted Jalen Thompson. who was more of a free safety. These two guys are more strong safety. So I want to get into Trey Boston. Trey Boston is the overall better player out of these two guys. But briefly, quickly, I want to talk about Trey Boston and some of his stats behind him. I didn't watch any film, but if you look at the stats and you look at the numbers for these two guys, uh, it can kind of give you a pretty good story of who these guys are. Trey Boston has a three-year pro football focus grade of 81.5, a 2018 grade of 74.1. In 2018, he had a 78.2 coverage grade, a 61 passer rating when targeted, which was the best in the NFC West, best in the NFC West by almost 30 points in a division with some really good secondary players in there too. He had three interceptions, seven pass breakups. The last stat I'll kind of give is he averaged 0.39 yards per coverage snap in 2018, which was 22nd best among qualified secondary players. Basically, David, he's 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. He's a Dave Gettleman draftee back when he played for Carolina. Um, I really don't know why he's not on an NFL roster right now. Free safety with the Chargers, strong safety last year with the Arizona Cardinals, and he played well in both spots. So I know we may have not looked that much into Trey Boston, and that's totally fine because he just came in for a visit. Uh, give, give us your thoughts on some of the things that you heard there, and then maybe I'll go into um, um, Jonathan Cyprin, and then we can go into a, a kind of like a, a comparison and a difference between the two and, and how they can fit on the team. Yeah, I agree with you. I don't, I don't really understand why he's not on a roster. We've talked so much, you and I, uh, over the past year or so, about how important the ability to throw the football is. And in saying that, from a defensive standpoint, it's, it's equally as important to be able to stop the other team from being able to throw the football. And I think, you know, you and I are both equally excited about 
what the Giants did this offseason, primarily because of what they did in the secondary and primarily because of the ability they gave themselves in terms of versatility in the secondary. They have a lot of guys, a lot of a lot of plug-and-play pieces. They have a lot of things to play with. And you've been very active on Twitter talking about the different packages that Betcher can use and what he's known for using and his creativity with using with, with pressuring from the secondary and his creativity in getting guys free gaps and free releases. And from a very from a very simplistic standpoint, you look at a guy like Boston and you say he produced everywhere he's gone, he's produced. Whenever he's been in there, he's produced. He, like you said, he's in the prime of his career. He's a Gettleman draftee, which I think is enormous. And, you know, we don't have to look very far, Justin, to see. That's very important to Dave Gettleman. Remind me, what was the contract to Jonathan Stewart? Too much. Yeah, thank you. That That is something that's very important to him. And, and Gettleman has made it very clear that he's building his team. And this is a guy who he likes. I Ironically, Gettleman cut him, but... But from what I from what I've heard from from you know sources throughout the twitters, uh, they have they they they've stayed amicable, and there's really no hard feelings about that. So I don't think I think this is personally a no brainer. From a football standpoint, it's a no brainer because, like you said, he's 27. He's played well everywhere he's gone. He's played well, and it just allows them so much more versatility. Even for and and. and I said on our previous episode where I'm where, where I put the brakes on this team. I hold the brakes area of this team is the secondary. And it's primarily because they're young and all you need is one guy to go down and now you're really you're scraping your you're scraping the bottom of the barrel again. Not only scraping the bottom of the barrel in terms of your talent, but scraping the bottom of the ba- barrel in terms of talent and experience. This guy's been in the league. He knows what he he's played. He's played consistently and he's played at a relatively high level. So, yeah, this is the kind of guy that I have no problem, you know, you got no problem watching him cycle in with Bethea, with Peppers, mm-hmm. with Love. I would love to see that. That that would be fantastic, I think. Now, here's my thought before we get in, here's here's my thought. We're going to get into Jonathan Seifert, and I feel like he's not a guy that a lot of people have talked about. It's been Trey Boston because that's the well, that's the that's the better well-known name. Here's the scenario: if Trey Boston is signed to the Giants, Bobby Skinner has been a guy that's really talked about the money backer, the hybrid safety, the hybrid linebacker, and the utilization of that. So you see, Landon Collins used to play that role where not really he would be a money backer, he would still be a strong safety, but he would be playing closer up to the line of scrimmage. We just didn't have the personnel to really be confident with the three safeties, with having a strong safety, a free safety, and a money backer. This year, we can kind of play around with it. So if Trey Boston is signed, you can have a few different combinations, either Antoine Bethea at strong safety or free safety. You can have Trey Boston there, at strong safety or free safety, both of those guys have played in both of those positions. And then you can have Jabril Peppers as the money backer, as the hybrid linebacker, as the hybrid safety. Jabril Peppers in the combine, in his scouting combine coming out of the draft, he was working out with both the safeties and the linebackers. He can do it. He has the physicality. He's the freak. He's a freak athlete. 
and it worked in 2011. The first thing that I thought of, oh, it's 2011. We had Kenny Phillips at strong safety. We had Antrell Roll at free safety. And then we had Dion Grant. If you look on the pro football reference page for Dion Grant in the 2010 season, and even 2011, I think they used him too. However, pro football, pro football reference doesn't list this as his position. But if you look in 2010, it says cornerback, Strong safety, linebacker. It lists all those <laughs> positions for Deion Grant, and that's kind of it's kind of crazy. I think the Giants have the personnel to do it this year. They could even try it with Julian Love, but again, you're you're talking about you're you're pretty thin on depth there. If you're trying if you're trying it with Julian Love, if you want Julian Love to primarily be your nickelback, and then you have to have Grant Haley in a nickelback situation, so. Basically, this gives you more options if you sign Trey Boston or Jonathan Cyprin. Now, here is why I think, in my opinion, Jonathan Cyprin might actually be the better signing than Trey Boston, even though Trey Boston is the better football player because we're talking about fit. So here's a little bit about Jonathan Cyprin. He missed the 2018 season with the torn ACL, so that's a risk. You know, you're bringing off a guy with the torn ACL. You saw Marcus Golden and his performance coming off the torn ACL, and it was not good in Arizona. Uh, he is very, very good in the run game, Jonathan Cyprin is. His numbers are up there with Landon Collins, and he is legit at that role. Isn't the best cover guy, especially compared to Boston. However, he had over 100 tackles in 2016 with, with Jacksonville, which was his career year. So... In my notes here, I say that I prefer Boston, but I'm kind of flipped as I'm thinking about it. Why I prefer Cyprin is because even though Boston is the more complete player, Cyprin can be that money backer. In Jacksonville, if you look at his pro football reference page, it lists that he is a strong safety. It also lists that he is a linebacker. He already played in that role. I would like him to simply jump into that role with the New York football giants Jabril Peppers can stay at the strong safety position. Antoine Bethea could stay at the free safety position and everything else can stay status quo. And then we just have that extra weapon whenever we want to go out of those different formations. This wouldn't be in every, you know, we're not talking about um, Cyprin being a starting linebacker. We're just saying in these different kinds of formation and the different kind of personnel groupings. So that's not what we're saying or that's not what we're recommending that this be a every play kind of deal, but it gives us more versatility. And another point that I want to bring up now, if you have a response to why, why I feel Cyprin is the better fit, we can also get to that. But why I bring up versatility, if you look at the way that Dave Gettleman is building this roster, and now that, you know, you have a pretty good sample size with these last two off seasons with the way that he wants to build this roster and the way that he's constructed it. He values versatility so, so much. Just look at the secondary. Julian Love getting snaps at safety and cornerback. Antoine Bethea, we've already said, can play both free safety and strong safety. Evan Engram, even though he was a Jerry Reese guy, got 70% of the snaps in college at the slot position. He lines up at both wide receiver and he lines up both at tight end for the New York football giants. Golden Tate, <laughs> slot guy also has success on the outside. Sterling Shepard, slot guy, also has success on the outside. Lorenzo Carter, who Dave Gettleman drafted last year, was primarily a cover edge linebacker, but now he has the potential to be the best pass rusher on this team. 
Dexter Lawrence is going to try to show that he is a multi-down player in the NFL, that he's more than just a run stopper at nose tackle and also at three technique. And last but not least, Danny Jones, who has shown his versatility at quarterback. And so really, that's just a few that's off the top of my brain. Now, David, uh, that was a that was a pretty big rant. So I kind of want to I kind of want to let you I kind of want to let you say say your thoughts. Well, I, I mean, I've already I already touched on the versatility, and, and I so I, right. I mean, I totally agree with you. I, I don't think it should be surprising to people that that this is something that from the get go it was clear this is something he was trying to do. It just takes time. It takes time to get there, and the team was not in a good was not in good shape last year. It just wasn't. Besides the point. I want to address your you preferring Cyprian. Is it, is it, is it Cyprian or Cyprian? Oh shit! If if, if I've pronounced this wrong, I the thought entire it was Cyprian. Time. Well, all right, it's too late now. Um, I'm going to go with Cyprian, <laughs> and this way one of us oh. can be right. All right. I'm, I want to address that because I do prefer Boston uh, still, because I think the beauty of what Dave Gettleman has done, and, and Justin, I I completely get your point. And, and I think it's got merit because trust me, there's nothing better than watching for the last couple of years. It's been Landon Collins just shoot a gap and make a play on a running back for a four yard loss. It, it's a, it's a drive derailer and it sets your, your defense up for such success going forward. But what I think the beauty of what Gettleman's done with the roster is he's put so many He's put so much emphasis on the secondary that that versatility and that fit is already kind of there. The pieces are already in there, and now it's a matter of figuring out how they work together to to be as successful as possible. So it allows you in this kind of instance where you're between a pure a, a real fit guy and just a football player. Now, there, now don't get me wrong, Cyprian's a very good football player as well in his own merit, but Boston's more complete, like you're saying. I think the beauty of the way the roster is already constructed is now when you have this decision, it allows you to just go and get the best football player. It allows you to go pick this guy off the market. And now you can, you have so many guys you can plug in so many places. And now you've got a guy like Boston who, if you're finding for some reason, let's just say for some reason, Bethea, his coverage just, it's not, it's not there. His, his the coverage skills are not there are, are not there. You got a guy who he can play there and play there at a high level. You're finding that Julian Love's not doing not doing a good enough job in that kind of you know maybe they they try to start working him into the money backer role. Trey Boston can do that too. Well, I don't I, I don't think, know if I don't know if Trey Boston would be able to do that. The what what I think you would have to do is you would have to put Jabril Peppers in that situation. So the problem gives you the ability to to, to cover would, up whoever you're whoever you're pulling down. Right. So you would have to the, the problem with that is is that you have to remove Jabril Peppers from strong safety, put somebody else there, and then put Jabril Peppers in this new role. And in, in it now I'm not saying new role as in again, it's an every once in a while whenever James Betcher wants to utilize it out of this personnel package. So, so I, th- I think the so I think I mean, of course, you and I are strict. We're we're speaking in in complete, strictly hypothetical situations that we don't these, you know because nobody has. Been that's all we have at the moment. <laughs> like I was complaining about at the beginning of the episode. So, so in this in this completely hypothetical world, what you need to do is you need to decide between. You you ask yourself, would you prefer? Do you prefer this guy or this guy? 
in this situation? Do you prefer this guy or this guy in this situation? Which which one of these guys gives you more plus matchups? If that makes any sense, Justin. So like, right. do you prefer Peppers ultimately ultimately being in the in the money backer role as opposed to Cyprian? Do you prefer Cyprian the love? Do you prefer you got to just run through the gamut of yeah. potential situations? And personally, I think Boston checks more boxes for you. He allows you to do more things with the pieces you already have because I think that versatility is already there. So now you get a guy who can cover he can plug and he can plug a hole in the back end if you need right. him to and if you're talking about god forbid you know you said if, if we lose one piece of the secondary in the secondary you always do yeah it's gonna yeah. happen i mean particularly i feel like if we if we if like if i feel like if we lose baker it's like okay there's uh there's beal if we use if we lose grant haley okay there's love and vice versa if we lose Jenkins, it's like, oh, shit, we're going to be asking DeAndre Baker, who I think can fulfill that role, by the way, who I think he's absolutely legit. But you don't want a rookie corner to be covering a, a, um, a Maury Cooper week one. That's just right. not what you That's right. just not what you want. If we lose Bethea slash Peppers for whatever reason, I do not want uh, Jonathan Cyprian or Cyprian taking over the starting strong safety role. Like that is not a position that I would want. So basically I think it's a, it's so here, here's the final thought. It is more of a gamble. If you sign Cyprian Cyprian, which I think we should just call him that from now on. If he, if he is a Cyprian Cyprian, it's more of a risk because not only is he coming off the ACL, but you're basically gambling saying, okay, Jabril Pepper slash Antoine Bethea, they're going to be here for 16 games. And this guy is going to be exclusively used in it by a situational, you know, he's going to be used by the situation to buy the package. Whereas Trey Boston is the more complete player and God forbid anybody does go down or for somebody needs to play off. You can feel very comfortable sliding him in. And also we would be called if Trey Boston does sign with the giants, we are officially calling the New York football giants, the Cardinals East. <laughs> That is that is officially that is officially going to happen. So, you know, and you and I can be going on and on about this, and they sign neither of them. And, and we're gonna, yeah, and right. What I saw a, a couple hours ago, Art Stapleton tweeted something about that they were not the only two veterans at that position in the building. So, for all we know, they could sign someone totally off the radar for us, and and we go from there. Right. All we have is speculation, but I think it was still a good conversation. On oh, no doubt, absolutely. I'm like just looking at the way that the Giants are trying to build their roster because I feel like, again that that's what I feel like as a podcast that's what we've tried to do this offseason. It's not just like okay, we're going to cover this piece of news and it's going like okay, okay, next we're trying to analyze things and we're trying to be like what are we doing and how is it stacking up to the rest of the league? And it's like, oh, you know, you look at the body of work and it's like, oh, Dave Gettleman is valuing versatility and guys doing multiple things rather than them doing one thing correct and great. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. And, you know, I, I, I actually think we weren't planning on talking about this uh, for quite as long, but I, I think we need to have an episode at some point where we really focus on Dave Gettleman because Dave Gettleman has come in and has taken a lot of flack from a lot of people about what he's done with the team, how he shaped the team. They don't like the way he deals with the media. They don't like the way he 
They don't like his they don't like his business ventures. Let's put it that way. But this whole idea of versatility and where he's where he's zeroing in on what's important to him. This should not be a surprise to anyone. Justin, how many years ago was it the Carolina Panthers were like world beaters? 2015. It was 2015. Do you remember that team? What was that team built around? The offensive line and the interior lineman. It was built from the inside out. But they were also, I you know, remember the whole it was that was the peak of Josh Norman. It was the peak of Kurt Coleman had a hell like had a had like a renaissance year for himself. Um, that was the for some reason, uh what's his name? Ben A uh Hold on. I have it pulled up somewhere. Ben A. Ben Wikiri, you would know it if you saw it. His name's impossible to pronounce. B-E-N-W-I-K-E-R-E. Ben Aquiri. I think that's how you say that. That secondary was fantastic. And that secondary was built on multiple moving pieces. Now, that defense as a whole was better, I think, than this defense is constructed right now because there was he had more time to put that defense together. Um, the linebackers on that team were fantastic, but I, I just think we're not, we're, we're acting too surprised by where Gettleman is, is kind of putting his chips in the basket. We're getting, we're, we're surprised by what he's trying to do. He, he's, he's built the offensive line, building versatility in the secondary, a, a bunch of moving parts that can do different things. He, I, I think it all makes a lot of sense. And I've been saying it for some time now. He it makes sense. You just need to deal with the fact that you're gonna you're gonna struggle for a little while, and there's gonna be some questionable moves. There's got to be gambles. You got to risk it to get the biscuit, Justin. He's building a team from the inside out, starting with the hog mollies both on both ends of the ball, and valuing the secondary just like the analytics and just like forward thinking teams do as well. Really, and this is going to be a great transition, it's just a matter. The only thing that is holding this football team back, in my opinion, is the decision of when to put our new franchise quarterback in, and he just signed his contract for four years with the fifth-year option a couple days ago. So let's talk about that, David. Daniel Jones. What do we want to see out of him out of camp? I feel like maybe we've already touched about this, but maybe let's just talk about it again. We're going to talk about this very quickly because I do want to get to the training camp stereotypes. What are some things we want to see out of camp? Um, What if he continues to impress us heavily? Because the questions are there, whether you like it or not, of a competition. Even if if it's not going to be for week one, the question is there. So... Give your thoughts for a few minutes, and then I'll kind of give my thoughts, and then we'll move on to training camp stereotypes. All right. I mean, we have talked about this in the past. We have, yeah. we have we've discussed what we want to see from Jones uh, at this stage, and I'm going to stick with my answer. My answer was essentially I want to see him be able to function in the Giants' offense the way it's constructed. I don't need to see him you – know, I, I really – I'm jumping the gun a little on our stereotypes, but I don't need to see him – you know, putting tremendous zip on the ball. I don't need to see him. What I want to see is that he understands what this Giants offense is is built around, what it's trying to accomplish. I want to see him be able to deal a little bit, not that you can even nearly match game speed in training camp, but I want to see him be able to identify 
identify his reads, go through his progressions, because that's something that you and I have talked about. It's a problem with Eli right now, and that he got some flack in in college, whether that was fair or not. Probably a perfect question for uh, for Bobby. <laughs> I, th- I but, think I think it was fair. I think it was fair that Daniel think, Jones no. really really did rely on his first read, and he didn't go through his progressions. But also at the same time. That was the offense that he was in as well, and also not being able to trust your skill position receivers, probably of being in the right spot at the right time. So, blah 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 blah. Keep going. I want to see. I want to see him be able to move move the offense. Very very simple. Okay. Because I think, and and I actually I want to do um. I, I want to do a little bit of my own research on this, and I, I'm going to work on it as we go, as we go along. Yeah, imagine Ooh. that. Imagine that. I'm going to work on it as we go along, but I'm really, really intrigued to see because uh, I feel like for years now I've, I've I've had a problem with this. I've never seen a football team more than the New York Giants of the last couple of years not be able to not only put not only put points up on the board, but sustain a drive, the drive after the opposing team scores. So. The, the the offense could be could be clicking. No problem. No problem. No problem. Finally, defense breaks and the offense forgets how to play. They they don't move the ball anymore. They get away from what they were doing. It, it suddenly seems that everything changes. And it happened all season last year. I, I think the, the number one game I look back to is the is the uh Philadelphia game in Philly. Giants offense was absolutely was was looked perfect. There was nothing wrong with it. And then everything the changed. In the first and you half. and I, you and I, I think, really went at it after that game because we had very differing views of what went wrong that day. But that's a common theme for this team for a long time. So, so, wanna, so what do you? No, I've, I've, no, but I've quite. Are you saying how the opposing offense and their overall pace impacts our offense and how we play? Is that is that kind of like your main point here? I want to. First, I want to prove to myself that I'm not just blowing things out of proportion and that this does happen consistently no, and, but is, and is without I, fail. Is what I said kind of summarized what, yeah. what your point is? Okay. Essentially. So my point with Daniel Jones in saying that is I want to see that at the very least, I, I think it gets lost how important the ability to convert two first downs on a drive, and maybe you still punt the ball. But a little bit of time of possession, understanding how important picking up a third and six is, understanding that you don't need a home run every drive, but you do need to move the chains. You need to find a way to sustain something. Three points is better than none. A punt to the opposing 10 is better than turning the ball over at the 40. I, I I really really want to see him be able to sustain drives to sustain success, even if it doesn't yield points every single time down the field. So I'm I'm I think I'm really looking at the preseason for that, right. right? Um, but that that's really where I'm focused. I training camp's very exciting because a lot it, it means that we're back. But as we're going to get into with the stereotypes, there's only so much that you and I from from a from a more outsider perspective obviously you can go to training camp and, and and yield your own judgments but there's only so much you can you can grab because you know like like we've talked about training camp is so different than it once was and they you can't you can't match game speed game strategy so 
I'm I'm really really looking forward to to preseason as we go along. But that that's kind of what I'm thinking for Jones. I I, I don't know. It, it's not. There's not a ton out there. I think that he's going to show in the next two weeks that I'm going to say, "Holy crap, we got him! We're we're set. We are in great shape." I, I I'm really excited for what is it? August uh, what's eighth, eighth, right? August eighth. What I want to see, and this is this can be both applied to in the preseason and in training camp. Actually, I would prefer to see it more in training camp rather than actually in, in live action. Whereas, you know, I wouldn't mind if I saw a timid Daniel Jones in live action just to kind of get the seat, the sea legs in and, you know, get your feet wet. But during training camp, it's something that I want him to continue to do, as we've seen during OTAs and during the spring and early summer. Push the ball down the field. Take chances. You know, that's what we've seen. We have seen that, at least from the beat reporters, that that's the thing that, like, oh, you know, Daniel Jones is, like, pushing the ball down the field. He's trying to take certain risks. And something that I have, I don't know if I've ever said it on the podcast, but I've said it like to myself and I've said it to some friends. Eli Manning once had an eye of the tiger. You ever see Rocky four or I'm sorry, not Rocky four. You ever see Rocky three where Rocky Balboa is running on the beach and Apollo Creed is yelling at him. And it's just like, it's just totally like, he's just totally out of his mind. That's where I consider Eli Manning at his career right now. He's just totally just like, oh, my God. He's totally lost, and he doesn't have that eye of the tiger anymore. And that's just what it is. I'm not saying that, oh, he's, he's terrible, he's bad, he's not a starting quarterback. I'm not saying that. But Daniel Jones, you look at his tape. He has that eye of the tiger. He's willing to take hits, as Bobby Skinner pointed out last week. He's willing to stand in the pocket, deliver a throw. He's willing to push the ball down the field to try and make plays for his team. We've seen it during OTAs, which is kind of surprising because, you know, Pat Shermer's offense, it's a lot of like dukes and dunks and get the ball out of your hands very quickly. Not as not as much as McAdoo's offense emphasizes, but it's still there. I want to see that. I want to see Daniel Jones have the confidence to be comfortable enough to push the ball down the field. And you can see that in training camp. You know, that's not something yeah. that's, you know, on seven on sevens or even, you know, when when they when all 11 men are out there in pads or whether they're just in uh, helmets and shorts, you know, they're still going, you know, they're still going at it in shorts. Um, even when they don't have shoulder pads on it, you know, the offensive line, they're still moving. They're still moving out on the front seven. So that's what I want to see. I want to see the willingness to continue to push the ball down the field. David, we're running a little long, so I do want to get to our training camp stereotypes. All right, let's do it. All right, so basically talking Yanks did a spring a spring training stereotypes where, you know, like, oh, oh, the ball's coming out of his hand real well. You know, so you, you, you'll get the whole point of what we're trying to say here, you know, whether it's coming from beat reporters, whether it's coming from fans, whether it's coming from player interviews, and all that jazz. So we're gonna so we're gonna say a few. We're gonna have some laughs and we're gonna have some fun to to wrap up this episode. So basically, just like you can say this with the pitcher coming out of spring training, you can look at Eli. You can look, you can look at Daniel Jones. You can look at Alex Tanny. You can look at uh who's that? Oh, Kyle Lulu. Remember him? He's on this football team. Not for long. Yeah. Um, <laughs> ball's coming out of his hands real well. There's some real zip on that ball. How many times? You, how many times you uh you think we're gonna hear that from 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 people, David? We're gonna hear it a lot. We're, and, and I actually think we're gonna uh, we're 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 treading dangerously close to uh, getting at our buddy Bobby Skinner, who loves talking about the velocity on on Daniel Jones' ball. No, no, I no, I I don't think no, I, I think he trolls people because he talked about it because so many other people were talking about it. Well, talking that saying that he didn't have the 
Oh, okay. That, that okay. He lacks the velocity. I think it's a good thing to say, but you know, let, let let's move on. Oh no, that's another training camp stereotype that people are going to see Daniel Jones videos and they're going to say, "Oh, look at that lame duck arm. Look at that. Oh, look yeah. at that terrible arm." That, so that's another stereotype that's on the other side of things, where it's like, "Oh, there's a lot of zip on that ball." Where it's like, "Oh shit, Eli looks like he's throwing an egg out there." So that's another thing that we're going to hear during training camp. There's and then there's there's a few different there's a few different things with uh, with body appearance. The guy who comes in and reporters say he looks trimmed down. Oh, this guy! Oh, this guy looks good. He looks like he lost a few pounds over uh over the over the winter. Looks like he lost a few pounds from last year. On the other side, there's also the guy people say now this would be Lorenzo Carter, which I actually think is true. But one of the storylines for Lorenzo Carter is probably going to be oh he's looking lean, looking like he added a a, a couple extra pounds, a extra extra ten pounds of muscle. Now well, for David Hainsworth, pure fat. Oh pff, well, that well that's the whole you know, that's the whole point. You put you added added a few extra pounds, looking like they're fat. So, uh, David, we were talking about one during uh, during the the pre-show. Um, pre-show, we were talking about one that that's really funny. Do you want to say the next one? The uh, the guy the guy who comes in is in the best shape of his life. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. yeah. The, the, well, and I have a, a slight variation of it. It's the guy who comes back from either injury or walks in the training camp at thirty instead of at thirty years old instead of twenty nine years old, and he quote hasn't lost a step. I think I think that's a good one too. It's the it's the same idea. Um, but yeah, that that can definitely go for uh, for for our buddy Eli and Jonathan um, Stewart. Who signed? What was his What was his contract? Too much. Too much. Ah, I see. Eric Flowers too. We we got the whole we got the whole Eric Flowers is in the is, is looking really good and he's in and he's in great shape. Remember when we got that yep. that whole feel? Yep, absolutely. I believed it. I, I was I was thinking of one. It's the. Um, the young guy who comes in, whether he was a, a draft a draftee or maybe maybe his sophomore year, and now he's suddenly wise beyond his years. Oh, that's Sam Beal. There's no doubt that's got, Sam he, Beal. His, the the IQ is through the roof, and he's analyzing plays faster than than anybody expects. He's picking up the playbook really quickly. I uh what? I actually have some insider insider information. Oh no! One of my buddies, one of my buddies I went to high school with. No, this is not like me breaking news. One of my buddies that I went to high school with. Shout out to. I'm not going to say his name. Actually, I'm not going to say his name if he doesn't want people to know his name. But I went to high school with him, and he's actually the equipment manager for Penn State. And I saw him at Cooperstown this weekend. You know, 50,000 people are at Cooperstown, and lo and behold, they run into this guy. I'm like, oh, what's up, man? And he said that Grant Haley, again, he was the equipment manager for Penn State. Grant Haley was an undrafted free agent out of Penn State. Grant Haley is one of the smartest football players that he's ever met that he's ever seen. He, he's, he's so freaking smart. So I would say Sam Beal, he's wise beyond his years because that's the only thing you can say about Sam Beal because, <laughs> because he didn't play yet. So uh, what's uh, what's what, do you have another stereotype on the top of your head or do you want to keep do you want to keep going with the list? Let's go with the list for a little while. Let's go on with the list. Um, so there's a guy the, the guys that always get the high praise from the coach. So I think Darius Slayton is in that boat right now where Darius Slayton had a terrible, terrible start to camp. And right now he's Pat Shermer's he's Pat Shermer's best buddy. Because he got like the compliment of, oh, he's the most improved player out of the rookie camp. So uh, the player that gets the high praise out of the coach. And then there's also the guys that are running with the ones. So I would go <laughs> Chad Wheeler. Like, oh, yeah, this uh, Darius Slayton running with the ones. Chad Wheeler running with the ones. Is that significant at all? Probably not. Um, oh, this is, my, this is one of my favorite ones. Get ready. For beat reporters looking at the same practice but reporting 10 different things happening, 
Patricia Traney and Paul Dettino are going to report that Eli had an Aaron Rodgers-like day. Matt Lombardo is going to say that he threw four interceptions. And Jordan Ronan has the useless information that Alex Tanney had the best day out of all the quarterbacks. I am so ready for all these beat reporters watching the same goddamn practice and telling us 10 different pieces of information. I'm so ready for it, David. My favorite thing is like when when love – I've been really a big fan of Twitter today. It, it's when lovely Twitter – takes those four tweets from those four people, puts them side by side, and it's just like what the hell is going on here? I'm I gonna think, I'm I gonna do that. One of the funniest things. Well you you you're gonna be busy taking pictures, so I don't know if you're gonna be able to if you're gonna have the time to do that, bud. Well I, I'm I'm only going to four. I'm I'm going to four four practices. That's all I'm out of the ten. Four out of the ten, I'm, which isn't I'm, bad. I'm talking about I'm talking about your GQ shoot, bud. Oh. Oh that was a nice ah. joke there. That was Thank a nice you. joke. All right, so now we're going to get to some social media ones. Oh, really quick. I actually I actually got one more. Okay. Um, I, I always think I, you, you hear this about somebody. I'm not really sure who it's going to be for this team. I could come up with a couple of ideas. But it's the guy who who comes into camp with a lot of swag. Ooh. Oh, he, the he, cars. He, yes. He plays, he plays with well, – well, either he's playing with swag or he just – he seems to have a new confidence about him. He really seems to be ready to to take control of this of the locker room and this team. I, I don't know. Who, I don't exactly know who fits that role at the moment. Maybe you can help me. You can help me brainstorm who fits that. I mean, we traded away all of the big ego guys. So, yeah, exactly. <laughs> all the all the um, horrible teammates. They're all that's gone. right. No, they're all by, they're all gone. by all accounts. Even like Landon Collins was a terrible teammate too. That I mean, Sterling. Early, I could but. see Sterling Shepard and Saquon rolling up together in some. And some, I mean, especially, especially Saquon. Are you kidding me? Do you know the swag that he should? I mean, obviously he's a humble guy, but I just think the swagger on the football field that he's going to have, and just the command of the space, is going to be I- I- incredible. Well, and we already know um, how much swag friend of the sh- friend of Bleeding Blue podcast Cody Latimer has. Oh my God, Cody Latimer had the best wedding look of 2019, and I don't care who disagrees with me. He pulled off the. The the short dress pants better than Saquon Barkley did at the ESPYS. Don't uh, no, no please doubt. at me on that. Please at me. No doubt, no doubt. If it was possible to bleed anything other than blood or blue, Cody Latimer would bleed swag. Wow, whatever that would look like coming out of his pores, that's what it would look like. Or I guess his veins, if you were bleeding, sweating would be pores. Talking anatomy. That's what we do. We're losing it here, you know. We're getting we're, we're getting loopy. The wheels are coming off. We're getting loopy. It's 1022. Um, all right. So here's social media questions and then we'll wrap up. Or not questions. Um, stereotypes. From Gaza at Gazman Superstar. I haven't heard much from you, Gaza. We gotta keep keep on keep on talking with me. I, I I love it. Thank you. Thank you for submitting something. Daniel Jones is ready to start. I feel like I've heard that for about six years. And also that's a good point where it's not just Daniel Jones is ready to start, but whoever the Giants draft that you know, the next guy that the Giants draft at QB, Kyle Luletta, um, uh, what's Ryan, Ryan Nassib, Davis Webb, they're all ready to start. So we're going to, we're going to hear that during training camp. So that's great. I love that. But this next one is probably, this is probably awesome. my favorite one. This one is awesome. My main man, Anthony, who we're going to have a, we're going to have a Twitter duel of, eventually that I want him to call me out where I want to have a duel on why it's the right decision to start Daniel Jones week one as opposed to Eli. I'm going to be on the Daniel Jones uh, side. He's going to be on the Eli Manning side. We're going to give a bunch of stats, and we're going to talk about all this kind of stuff. We we DM'd about it today. It's going to be fantastic. Um, 
He said, the undersized guy with the motor and effort who makes plays in camp and then winds up getting cut. So like a really short guy. Think of like, I'm, I'm thinking like a linebacker. I'm thinking like your, your typical your typical white linebacker, not to not to just throw, yeah. not to just throw white people under the bus. So like but, to, use, to use examples of guys who have actually made the team who could fit this mold. Think of Mark Herzlick. Think a Uwani Unga. Think mm. a um, uh, going going even further back than that. Maybe Chase Blackburn. You know he's my he's like my favorite giant of all time. Yeah, that those kinds of guys. That's awesome. Remember that? Maybe, remember uh, that? Maybe, uh, uh, remember that fullback that we had a few years ago who wind up being a, a defensive tackle. Oh. Yeah, what was his name? I don't remember his name, but that's like the first guy that popped into my brain where it's like the small guy with the high motor and he actually made a few teams, but he actually made like a few teams, but I think like the next season we didn't wind up, you know, he didn't wind up coming back anyway. But I love that. I love that camp stereotype. There's going to be somebody, it's going to be like, oh yeah, this guy's the underdog. He has a, oh, what was that? Nikita Whitlock. I am impressed that you remember that. I looked it up. Oh, okay. You could have You could have literally said that you rem- that you remembered it. Yeah. I yeah. gotta be honest, you know. We gotta be honest. You're an honest man. Um, all right, so here's so here's the last one. John Armwood on Instagram. Shout out to John Armwood. He's on our Bleeding Blue Fantasy League. On Instagram, he said uh, a camp stereotype is Eli looks like an NFL starter. Zing. <laughs> Zing. All right, well, David. Do you have a, do you have any uh do you have any final thoughts before we head off into the sunset and I give some announcements on when we're going to be back and when you'll hear from us? Um, any, any, any final thoughts? Uh, football, football's upon us, ladies and gentlemen. Get excited. Justin and I are going to be doing some, some fun things uh, in the next couple of weeks as we get closer to, to some real things to, to look at and new film to look at. I'm, I'm excited about that. Yeah, that's about all I got for you. So the next time that you'll hear from us is probably going to be July 30th, which we will have a regular episode. So that is six days from now, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, and then seven days from now, so July 31st, all the way up until the day before the season opener, July 7th, our season opener, July 7th, our season, our regular season opener is September 8th. You will be hearing from us every single day besides Sunday. There may even be some weeks where we will be have we we will have an episode seven times a week because we just need to get out some news and we just need to maybe have an emergency episode to talk about something. We're going to be previewing the Giants, very similar to Talking Giants and how they're doing their PPPs, their player profile and projections. We're going to be doing our previewing the Giants, where we will be looking at every single significant Giants player on this roster and having many episodes. We will be doing one player per episode, 15 to 20 minutes. Some guys may run longer, some guys may run shorter. So every single day, besides Sunday, you will be hearing from Bleeding Blue, and we're we're excited to pump out this content for you. That's gonna be that's gonna be exciting. I, I mean, I'm really looking forward to that. We have, I already have a lot of notes done and just talking tangibly about these players and what we expect from them and what they can do in 2019 and their projections. It's gonna be absolutely fantastic. So that's it. Bleeding blue, New York Football Giants. It's back. It's here. They're gonna be on the field. They're gonna be hitting each other, and we're gonna have some things to talk about and actually get excited for football. So thanks for listening. We'll see you next week. Keep on bleeding blue, everybody. Stay beautiful, everybody.